Hey everyone, this is Tommy Nick. And this is Gigabit Gaming, and we're giggling because I screwed up the first recording by not hitting the button. But we are here now, and we've just finished discussing uh, Red Dead Online and how it's going to be a standalone game. Uh, so we're going to rediscuss this. <laughs> so take it away. Yeah, yeah so uh, just a quick little recap. Um, we, we only did like miss like five minutes of the recording, but this is episode 10. It's a big milestone for us. Huge, huge. Um, this isn't going to be a huge episode just because there's not a lot going on right now. But the next two weeks, we got slated for two guests. Um, you'll hear more details about that as it happens. Um, today, we actually don't have any esports news either. So this is just the <laughs> GST podcast. GST, baby. Um, so yeah, let's just hop right back into it. Um, Red Dead Online is launching a standalone game. Yep. Uh, Rockstar will start selling Red Dead Redemption 2's online mode as a standalone for $5 starting December 1st. Um, they state, for the first time, new players who do not already own Red Dead Redemption 2 can experience everything Red Dead Online has to offer, including access to all future content updates. Um, Rockstar announced this on the game's website. Red Dead Online will be available to buy separately on all the platforms where Red Dead Redemption 2 is currently sold. But its $5 price is only introductory, expiring on February 15th, 2021. Yeah, no idea if that means that uh, they're going to like stop selling it as a standalone game after February 15th, 2021, or if they're going to increase the price. No news on that yet, as far as I know. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I do like this. $5 is a very cheap way to introduce someone to the game. And I understand Rockstar's point of view. They're like, oh, you know, we have a lot of people that are interested mm -hmm. in multiplayer-only games. And if your buddy has Red Dead, the full version, he he might be like, "Hey, buddy, man, it's like five bucks." You're like, "I'll send you five bucks if you want to like buy it and hop on with me." Like, I've done that with games before. Like, my friends like, "Oh, man, like I don't know," and I'm like, "Man, if the game's like ten bucks. I'll just buy it for you, and then we'll play it together." And you know, normally that's great. So five dollars yeah. is so cheap. It, it's really cheap that most people wouldn't even second guess like buying it. So I think that's where it comes in. People will buy the online. And then they're like, dude, this game's actually pretty good. And then they'll want to buy the full version and get the story. Because that, that is yeah. where the big chunk of the game is. Maybe they'll actually add in, like, I, I don't know if this is the case right now, but if you do things in the story, it gives you items in multiplayer to kind of give people an incentive to get the story mode at that point. Um, but I do own this game on the Xbox One. Um, I, I'm probably there's like a very good chance that I buy this for the PC. I mean, especially for the $5 price point. Hey, I might even buy it on the PS5 as well for just for shits and giggles at that point. Yeah, $5 um, is like cheap. I'm I'm probably going to buy it, to be honest. I mean, it's like nothing. Even if you only played it for like two or three hours, like five yeah. bucks for like three hours of your time, that's a pretty good deal, honestly. Absolutely. And we see all the attention that GTA 5 Online's getting. And they recently started bringing more attention over to Red Dead Redemption 2, giving it some recent, um, like, major content updates. And I think, I think they're squashing a lot of bugs and stuff. So they are giving attention to Red Dead Redemption Online. And to say the least, I guess we just have to wait and see um, what the community thinks about this. I, I'm, I assume that the player base is going to rise oh, yeah. like 10 times the amount yeah. that there is playing Red Dead Online right now. So will servers struggle? Probably. Uh, it's it's kind of uh, like when, mm. when Epic came out with GTA 5 for free 
and the servers yeah. just weren't taking to it. But this does have a price point, so there's not going to be as many people joining. Still, I mean, $5 price point, you can't beat it. We'll see what kind of updates and stuff they bring um, as more people start buying this. And like we said, it does expire on February 15th. 2021 so you do have time to secure that five dollar price point and when that ends it'll probably i mean i could see it going up to 20 bucks just for the online portion but i mean even if they double it 10 bucks still worth it yeah 10 10 would be reasonable i think 20 at that point it's like oh man like you know 20 and then you can probably catch the full game on a sale for like 45 or maybe 50 or, or even cheaper so at that point yeah. it becomes like oh man like 20 for the online or 40 for the full thing with the online like it might as well just buy the 40 and maybe that's what rockstar's mindset is too right if they're like okay we'll put it out for cheap get people hooked and then we'll increase the price later and then you know it's it's almost like the netflix thing right people like netflix when it first came out was like dirt it was like free and everyone's like oh this is sweet i'm like streaming vids for like six bucks a month and now it's like 20 bucks a month right but you're still buying it so you know, and, and it's the same thing with Xbox Game Pass and, and all these subscription services. They come out and they're really cheap. They're an amazing value. And then as they get a little older, the price goes up. And it's probably going to be the same thing with this. And speaking of subscription services, Fortnite <laughs> getting a monthly subscription service. Now, it's called subscription. I don't like uh, that people are calling it a subscription. It's more of like a, a battle pass or a game pass. Uh, you don't need it to play. It just gives you extra incentives. So starting next week with Chapter 2, Season 5, Fortnite will get a monthly subscription service for cosmetics and currency. Subscribers will get the latest Battle Pass, and each month they'll get 1,000 V-Bucks and some cosmetics. The $12 a month subscription called Fortnite Crew was announced this morning. In addition to the Battle Pass, each month players will get 1,000 bonus V-Bucks atop whatever V-Bucks you'd earn through the pass normally. And, according to the PlayStation blog... An exclusive bundle of a new outfit, plus at least one new matching accessory, like a glider, pickaxe, or emote, which they keep even if their subscription ends. So yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty good news. The first, uh, the first accessory will be Galaxia. Is that how you say that? Galaxia. Yeah, a, yeah. a cosmic themed outfit alongside a pickaxe and back bling. Uh, future exclusive outfits will be revealed ahead of the next month if you subscribe after owning the battle pass you'll be refunded 950 v bucks so i mean 12 bucks a month i you know a lot of kids play fortnite do that's gonna be a lot of parents having to fork out 12 bucks a month now (laughs) yeah so i think that this is worth it um you buy the game or you buy the battle pass anyway it's 10 bucks so hey Here's two more dollars. We'll give you another $10 worth of V-Bucks and some extra little incentives if you just pay monthly. My guess is that the Battle Pass or or whatever they're calling it isn't selling as well as they'd hope. So now they're creating this competition of like, oh, we'll charge like two extra bucks but make it way better for people to buy. So then people are like, oh, the Battle Pass ten bucks, but this thing's 12 and this is way better. I'm buying that. And, you know, because people might not be like, oh, 10 bucks for what you get. That's not really that good. And they'd have a hard time giving you more uh, because it kind of makes it seem, you know, like if you were buying it for 10 bucks and you were always getting the same whatever, and then they increased the amount you get but kept the price the same, you'd be like, oh, like, why wasn't I always getting that then? Like, that's yeah. that's kind of shitty. But now, now that they're adding a new step up, it's almost like, oh, well, that's that's a new thing. So it's OK that it gives you more. Right. 
and it's it's kind of creating this artificial conflict between the battle pass and the subscription. So yeah, uh, it's smart by them for sure. And if if you think it's a good value, I don't really know. A thousand V bucks is that a lot? Is that like ten bucks? Yeah, yeah. So a thousand V bucks is ten dollars. But I think one thing where they are getting you is people are paying for the battle pass once every two to three months. That's only ten dollars. And now you're getting giving them twelve dollars each month. So yeah, you're getting the new battle passes and stuff, but the battle passes aren't monthly. So instead of paying that ten dollars every three months, you're paying twelve dollars per month. And at that point, Fortnite's or Epic is making more money than they were. Well, I guess a thousand V bucks, so that's ten dollars. That that's pretty good. Like you're if you know you're paying every month. It's twelve bucks, but you're getting ten dollars worth of V bucks. Mm-hmm. So, if you were gonna buy ten dollars worth of V bucks, anyways, you could argue that you're only paying like two bucks a month. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I still think that this is very much worth it. It's just that you are steadily paying every month instead of once every two or three months so. yeah games as subscription services i could never get into personally uh like for example final uh, fantasy i tried mm-hmm. to play it and and you know i was playing with friends too and and they were experienced but i just couldn't get over the fact that i had to pay every month to play like i was just like man this sucks like i really don't want to have to like worry about a subscription and it's like world, world of warcraft and runescape those are games that i bounce back and forth like from time to time and i'll just buy a month see how i'm doing this month when i play and usually by the end of the month i'm not playing it anymore so it's just like i'll buy like a 30 day game time or something like that instead of a recurring subscription yeah um and and that's like another thing these companies including fortnite um they're going to be making more money than they think because or or than we would think because um, kids are getting their parents to sign them up for the subscription service, and that's twelve bucks coming out of their account every month, every and month they might not even realize it. Yeah, twelve bucks isn't a lot. Like if you're a, a family and you know you weren't like actively looking at your spending, you probably wouldn't even notice you spent twelve bucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Like you know, that's that's definitely that kind of thing, and and uh, like the the reason why I don't like subscriptions for games is that. Whenever I get the subscription, I'm like, oh my god, I have to play. Like, I have to get on and play, or I'm wasting you this get money. Your money's worth. Like, I, if I'm not on playing right now, I'm wasting money. And it's like, yeah, I know I spent like 80 Canadian on a new game, but that's 80 Canadian one time, and that game lasts 60 or forever. It'll never go away. You know, it's, you know, 25 years from now, it probably won't be here still because the servers or whatever. But you know, the immediate future and even the distant future, it'll still be here. So I don't have to worry about like, oh, I gotta renew my sub now if I want to keep playing. No, no, I just I just hop on and play. It's always there. Yep. Uh, <sighs> and even like Final Fantasy fourteen, um, I have a friend who pays for it every single month, and he, it's the only game he plays mostly. I mean, ninety percent of his gaming is at least Final Fantasy fourteen, and he really enjoys it. The amount of things that you can do on that game is insane so i I kind of i kind of get how he enjoys playing the game i i myself also enjoy playing final fantasy 14 it's just 
the matter of fact that I can't spend as much time as I would like to playing that game. So every now and then I'll, I'll like I said, I'll get a 30 day game pass or whatever and dive in there, play it for two to three weeks. And next thing you know, I'm on to something else. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, enough about Fortnite and subs. We have a speedrunner beat PS5 Demon Souls in less than 20 minutes. Speedrunners have already discovered a massive bug that lets them beat the game in less than 20 minutes. The setup known as Wrong Warping or Force Quit. In short, saving your spawn point at an archstone in one area, teleporting to a different area, and force quitting by way of the PS5's pop-up menu after the area loads, but before your spawn point is saved, jumping back into the game and dying will warp you to the same numbered archstone in the second area. This can be used to perform massive skips, like jumping straight to boss battles against the Dragon God or Old King Alliant or Alant? And whatever. As long as you have progressed to the requisite archstone in a separate area. So yeah, this is a, obviously a glitched speed run. This this wouldn't count towards a glitchless speed run, which is uh, the the way more popular uh, kind of speed run in the Souls series. Like kind of glitching isn't uh, considered very skillful in the Souls series for speed running because the whole point of the game is how difficult it is. So if you're just kind of glitching your way through it, nothing too impressive. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's still a 20-minute uh, victory, you know, from start of the game to the end screen, which is, yeah. you know, regardless, that's, that's still impressive that people found this bug and, and are now uh, able to do this. Uh, uh, I've never been too big into speedrunning personally, but, man, I watched Portal 2 speedruns before. That's the stuff that they're doing. I don't even understand what I'm watching. They're shooting portal. They're like glitched through the wall and shooting portal. If you haven't watched a Portal Two like speed run like that, they're all tool assisted, by the way, or at least most of them that I've seen. So they're like shooting pixel perfect portals, and they're not. They're every all the timing is flawless, and it's crazy satisfying to watch, dude. I haven't seen yeah. the PS5 Demon Souls speed run yet, but I'll probably take a look later tonight and take a look at uh, what was happening there. Have you seen the footage of it? I haven't. So. So the thing about Demon Souls, the 2020 version on the PS5, is the main story basically takes like 20 hours to complete. So yeah. it's not a huge game alone. If you want to be a completionist, it's over 40. But the fact that you can beat this game in 20 minutes using a bug and speedrunning is absurd. They're definitely so, going to fix it. So that, yeah, that's, that, that's what I was thinking. The the devs probably will fix this or. I don't. I don't think this is something that they would let go. You know what I mean? No. A lot of times, uh, developers will ask a certain speedrunning community if, like, hey, this bug, should we fix it? Because some, like, a bug like this doesn't ruin the game. It does. Like, if you're playing normally, you'd never know this is even in the game, right? Oh yeah. So that that's that's the thing about it. And uh, I know in Doom Eternal there was a a speedrun uh, glitch where you could map a jump to the scroll wheel and by doing this and jumping on certain objects you would jump infinitely into the sky so you could mm -hmm. jump really high like above the map hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of meters and then you could just move in the air and go to different locations and what they did was they made it so you couldn't map uh jump to scroll wheel anymore so that like people like uh for example the g502 is the infinite scroll wheel so you can just click that little button and scroll and it'll just spin just for yeah. a really long time. And so that's how people are doing it, using that. 
there there is a utility now that uh was developed really fast after <laughs> after they they changed it that was just like a piece of software you could load up that would allow you to map it anyways externally outside the game just by essentially tricking uh the game into thinking that uh your scroll wheel was spacebar or whatever button you head map to jump regardless uh i'm not a huge fan of glitch speed runs i i prefer the glitchless uh but that's just me yeah i know i know some people are really into the fastest way you can beat it's the most skilled and stuff like that but it's really just a big community with lots of different opinions and there's nothing wrong with anyone's opinion about it it is very interesting to watch i mean both types of speed runs glitchless and glitched because i mean if you watch a glitch speed run you're like Holy shit! This guy just beat a level yeah. that took me three hours in like in two seconds, <laughs> thirty seconds. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Uh. And and then you watch like a like a a non glitch speed run, and you're like, dude, there's like this guy is the best player I've ever seen at this game. Like a lot of this glitch list, like the glitch speed runs, I could probably do it or like get close. You know what I mean? Like if he's yeah. beating it in twenty minutes, I could probably beat it in forty which is still, like, really fast. But if you're, like, beating it legit, you are just insane at the game. Like, Mm -hmm. next to none. It's crazy to think of it like that. Anybody can do a glitch, but to do a glitchless and fly through a game like that is takes actual skill and memorization at that point to figure out your routing. And, I mean, there's just so many things that go into it. The people that hold, like, the... Sorry, keep going. One of the things that I actually really enjoy watching is um, there's a YouTube series. I I don't know if it's IGN or whatever company it is that does it, um, where they have... They bring in the devs of a game, and they have them react to the quickest speed run on a game that just came out. Yeah. Or a game that's been out for a while. And those are really fun to watch because the devs are just like, I don't understand how he just did that. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> so there was a game, uh, I think it was called Geometry Wars. And if you yeah. ever played it, that game was sweet. And there mm-hmm. was trophies in it on PlayStation. I'm sure they were the same on Xbox uh, that were to beat the developer's high score. And I'm like, oh, that should be easy. Most developers suck at their own games. And I'm like playing through, dude. And I'm like, oh, my God how did this dev get this high score? Like, was he yeah. cheating? And anyways, I would eventually, I, I got the platinum trophy for it, which is like 0.1% of all players get, got it. So I felt really good about that one. That took, oh man, I want to say 200 hours of playing to get it. And oh, and, and there was some co-op ones too. So I was like, hey man, like you got to come over to my place, like one of my buddies. And like, we just got to get good at this game and grind it together and, and we'll get these <laughs> trophies. And the co-op ones luckily weren't too difficult. Uh, I, I figured because they probably assume it'd be kind of hard for two people to get really good at the game and you know play it split screen because you couldn't do it online. But anyways, yeah, that that was a lot of skill involved in that game, and and I and I can't believe the developers how good they were at their own game because a lot of the time it's it's not the case. Speedrunning is definitely something in the gaming life that has evolved from some small community to being very large and i mean they've run events yearly yeah that are just i mean here's a week straight of people speed running games yeah and, and it's all charity and stuff too i think it's yeah it, uh something games done quick yeah so there's um agdq yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it awesome games done quick 
And I mean that that's just one to name yeah. dozens out there. Yeah, let's move on here to uh, Star Citizen adding a new development studio to its team. Yeah, very big news. Star Citizen, the MMO that never ends, is adding a new studio to its development pipeline. Canadian company Turbulent. Oh, do you know them? You work with them? Yeah, they're in Montreal. I uh, I do their IT, actually. They're full network. Okay, okay. Which Cloud Imperium Games acquired a minority stake in last year is launching a new operation based out of Montreal dedicated to creating new features, locations, and entire star systems that will be added to the game on an ongoing basis. Turbulent has been involved with the development of Star Citizen for years, but primarily behind the scenes on things like the Star Citizen support site and backend technology. This announcement is for a separate dedicated studio that Turbulent and Cloud Imperium hope to expand to 100 developers over the next three years. 100 is a lot. Considering that oh, yeah. they already have a fairly decently large dev team, adding an extra 100 members is insane. Like, I don't even think there's 100 people that work on, like, Rainbow Six Siege at Ubisoft Montreal. There, <laughs> if, there might be... Uh, I'm, I'm taking a ballpark guess here, but definitely less than 200. But I would be shocked if they still had a team of over 100 people working on it. Like, maybe during, like, full development, like, before the game's launch, they, they probably had a large mm -hmm. amount. But but now uh, I don't think it's nearly that much. And, and that's, that's normal for games, you know, post-launch. You, you don't need 10,000 people working on your game now because, for one, you're not going to generate that huge revenue that you had on launch day anymore. So you, 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 people are going to get cut regardless. And, you know, Siege might not be a great example because it is a game that is getting constant updates and new cosmetics, and it's still a very large game for its player base. But, uh, you know, a lot of games, single-player focused games especially, once they launch, you know, they're going to make the majority of their profits there, and then, you know, a handful more on sales and, like, Christmas and stuff like that. But... You know, for Star Citizen, an MMO that is constantly being updated. And by the way, the last time I checked, it had $323 million in crowdfunded resources. So, yeah, that is an insane amount of money. Yeah. Um, I hear a lot about this Star Citizen game, but I honestly haven't watched much about it. So it's really cool like you know no man's sky oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah imagine no man's sky cranked to a hundred this that this is essentially the star about, citizen like, universe elite dangerous do you know that game no the so that, that game's very very large um space exploration seems endless in that game as well but i mean apparently this game is 20 times the size of that like i know I'm sure you've heard of EVE Online. That's a very yeah, yeah, similar... Yeah. I mean, people call that like a spreadsheet simulator and all this stuff, but the, the universe itself is quite large, and there is a lot of players, and uh, if Star Citizen can become uh, something like EVE Online, but a little less spreadsheet and a little more uh, player interaction with each other, I think that would be a good step in the right direction because, you know, like I think it's a little too intimidating when I have to, like, for one... The subscription, I think Eve Online doesn't do subscriptions anymore. I could be wrong, though. But for one, like, it did have a subscription at one point. So the learning curve mm -hmm. for people that are coming into the game versus people that have been playing for years, like, you're just going to get destroyed. And, yeah, there there was, at least in Eve, there were starting areas and stuff where new players could go. Anyways, be, besides the point, uh, I, I do think that uh, 
adding a new development studio is definitely going to help the game rapidly uh, progress because this is this is the main critique of Star Citizen is how slow updates have been. So if they just need more developers, well, now they're going to get them. Yeah, absolutely. So we had esports news here, and I see this section is blank, so we'll be skipping esports like we mentioned earlier. We're going to hop straight on the streaming news here. Take us away. Yeah, so Nick eh, eh, 30 <laughs> gets a Twitch streamer banned for allegedly stream sniping. Uh, his latest Fortnite, Fortnite tournament was quite a spectacle, but it was tainted by an alleged stream sniper who was reported and subsequently banned despite maintaining his innocence. So Nick A30 um, has been hosting a series of Fortnite tournaments in recent months. The latest one was the Nick A30 Cup. It gave players a chance to compete against some of the game's biggest names in the scene for a chance to win $10,000. In the final match, several other players landed on Nick A30, including a Twitch streamer named Archie FN. He eliminated Nick A30 and danced on his body for the better part of 30 seconds. Um, Nick was less than impressed and looked disappointed and deflated on stream. It was a stark contrast to his usual upbeat and positive vibe. He was convinced Archie was stream sniping and hopped into the replayed mode to report him and a few others. If he's so basically, dancing on his body, he definitely knows who he killed. So if you're not, oh yeah. if you're like you're dropping on top of him for one. And then you're hunting him down to kill him, and then you're dancing on the corpse. If you like, no, you know who that is. So you're you're 100 stream sniping. And if you're not, well, there's just no way. Like, you, why would you dance in the corpse unless you know who it is? You mm -hmm. wouldn't just do that to a random. Like, come on now, use your head. I mean, stream stream sniping has been relevant in Fortnite since day one. Who knows when? But uh. This Archie FN was banned from Twitch for 24 hours. I mean, it's a one-day ban. Nothing crazy. You just take a don't day stream off. Snipe. Yeah, don't stream snipe. Take your day off and come back a better person. I did see that he issued an apology. Um, and yeah, I mean, well, he's saying he's innocent. Crazy. And he issues an apology. Yeah, yeah he actually he actually did. Um, That's come funny. out and post a response and everything so that's pathetic <clears throat> yeah I, I, doing this kind of stuff you're just ruining the experience uh for other players and it is just straight up cheating like you know how much advantage i'd have in siege if i could look through the other players like perspectives and see what they're looking at and what they're doing like it would be exactly. massive you'd, you'd never lose it's essentially like having a wall hack if i could just glance at my other monitor and see where you are there's no way i lose that gunfight like no way so and i mean that being said there's also I mean stream delays, you know. I mean you can you can throw a thirty second stream delay on your stream, and this does hurt. This I mean it could potentially hurt the streamer because you're not able to provide instant feedback to your chat as they type to you. But um, that's the thing. It, I mean you could do a stream delay. It is possible, especially for big tournaments and such. Like it it might be needed, you know. Thirty seconds is. Like, it's too much time to keep your, like, chat interaction, but I don't think it's enough time to prevent stream sniping. Because, like, yeah. you know, 30 seconds, I mean, it might prevent me from dropping on your head, but, like, I'm going to know where you are fairly quickly. 
if you're like most uh like competitive streams for events will have like a 10 minute delay or a five minute delay to completely prevent it like 10 minutes the round's over by the time you see the round mm-hmm. so something like that uh obviously if you did 10 minutes on like his stream like his stream would be dead like chat interaction would be zero like every message you respond to would be ancient you know like half the people you're responding to might be on another <laughs> stream right now so yeah it's a good point I mean, speaking of pathetic, look at this next story we got going on here. Uh, a viewer who sued Twitch for $25 million over simp culture got denied by the judge. So I don't know if you guys um, heard about this news um, a while ago, but um, a viewer on Twitch named Eric, probably going to butcher this last name, Estavio. It seems like that's probably right. Estavolo. Estavolo uh, or Estavio. S- oh, maybe the L's are silent. You might be right. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. The Twitch viewer who sued the platform for $25 million in damages for exposing him to overly suggestive and sexual content from various female streamers, including Pokimane and Alinity, while using the site, has had his case denied by a California court. According to the lawsuit, Twitch's twisted programming netcode combined with OCD and sex addiction made it nearly impossible for him to use Twitch without being exposed to sexual content. Estevio named a number of female streamers in his complaint, including Pokemon, Alinity, Amaranth, and others, while requesting they be permanently banned. However, it doesn't seem like the court agreed he held a case. The kicker here is that he was following 786 female streamers, and zero male streamers at the time of this complaint back in June said he wanted $25 million from Twitch along with having all of the female streamers he'd mentioned permanently banned. With the court's decision, though, that happening now seems slimmer than ever. I did see that he wants to take it even a step further and take it somewhere else, but, I mean, at this point, this guy's just... Uh, it's not going to go anywhere, and there's the main reason. Well, uh, okay, there's a, ha- a handful of really large reasons. For one, he's in front of a California court, so for one, California, you know, Silicon Valley would never do anything to punish Twitch streamers. Like that's just a fact. <laughs> Two, you don't have a case. You're arguing against Twitch's own platform, which they make the rules. You're not going to win because they already have rules against sexually suggestive content. So. Mm. You know, while some streamers may get away with it now and then, they have punished and do continue to punish some streamers. Not not all, unfortunately. They are, I mean, everyone knows Twitch does have a bit of a bias. Uh, you can't blame Twisted Programming Netcode because the netcode doesn't control how sexually suggestive a streamer is. That doesn't make any sense. If you have an already uh, diagnosed OCD and sex addiction you're going to feel this way no matter what platform you're on. So, like, I could, you could scroll Twitter, and if all you follow on Twitter is porn stars, no wonder you're seeing so many naked women. Like, so why would you be surprised that when you follow 786 female streamers, you're seeing streamers that are wearing maybe suggestive clothing, in his opinion? This guy is insane, obviously. <laughs> it, it really is insane, and... I mean, I, I don't see him getting anywhere with this, but I'm sure there'll be another news article in the future about where he takes it next. 
Um, as of right now, it's going nowhere. Yeah, it's it'll be over. He's wasting court's time. Uh, so we're gonna move on here to tech news. We got we got really good news here on this first topic. Everyone's favorite ISP, Comcast. Fantastic news here. Expanding its 1.2 terabyte data cap to 39 states starting in January. <clears throat> so this means that you will be allowed 1.2 terabytes of data per month. Uh, if you go over, it will be $10 for every additional 50 gigabytes of data your household uses, up to a maximum of $100. Uh, so what that means is once you hit your 1.2 terabytes, any time you go over that, and they don't automatically stop it, by the way, you have to monitor this yourself, you will be charged an extra $10 on your bill. If you don't want to worry about your usage, you'll need to either spend an initial $30 every month on an unlimited plan or an extra $25 monthly on the XFi complete package that comes with unlimited data and a modem rental. According to Comcast, the median monthly data usage is closer to 308 gigabytes per month. Uh, On its website, Comcast notes 1.2 terabytes of data translates to about 21,600 hours of continuous music streaming or 34,000 hours of gaming. So I have a handful of complaints about Comcast stats here. For one, 308 gigabytes might be true. This does seem very low, however. Uh, I live alone and I use over a terabyte a month. Now, not everyone streams and watches as much YouTube and, and, you know, online content as I do, but now that people are working from home, come on. Like, everyone's at home. You know how many, like, Zoom meetings and all these video conference calls people are on? Oh, my God, dude. Like, the amount of bandwidth that takes up? People are going to blow through 1.2 terabytes of data a month. You're going to have to buy the Unlimited. I'll tell you what. I have Comcast. I am in one of the 39 states that is getting this 1.2 terabyte data cap. I yep. work from home. My fiance teaches from home using Zoom meetings and such. Um, I am a gamer. I stream on Twitch. I also, or my fiance is on Netflix constantly. Mm. We are constantly going through over 1.2 terabytes of data every single month since we started Comcast, or I should say since the beginning of this year when we started working from home. Um, to say the least, I use probably 1,700 gigabytes a month on average. There was a month where I used over 2,000 gigabytes um, in the month of October. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was doing that month, but... I'm looking at my, my Wi-Fi data usage on my new phone. This is like five days worth of data on my phone. Like this is Wi-Fi use at home. It's already 13 gig. Yeah. So this is just on my phone. My computer is way more. Like I'm blowing through a terabyte easily a month. I like I don't have my old phone on me, but I know I was using well over like five, six, seven, eight hundred gigabytes on my phone alone at home. So you're gonna be <laughs> Like, if you're a heavy internet user, you're going to hit that 1.2 terabyte cap very quickly. Now, unfortunately for the United States, they they don't have the net neutrality. Uh, It didn't pass, uh, obviously, due to financial reasons for these large companies. In Canada, though, they cannot uh, cap or uh, restrict or throttle your internet, legally speaking. Uh, They still will throttle uh, your net, and uh, some ISPs actually throttle certain services which they they have been punished for in in Canada. And so, yeah, even against the law, they'll still try and do it and get punished for it. Uh, 
here at least if, if i call my isp like let's say i see my speeds way down you know every time i call oh magically my speed goes right back to normal so you know either you techs <laughs> are really screwing up your network or you're deliberately throttling me either way a quick phone call will fix it normally uh, i had to have a tech come out to my house not too long ago to replace my router but other than that you know i've had really no internet issues uh here except for the price is a little absurd how much do you pay a month if you don't mind me asking for your comcast um so so basically i pay for gigabit internet and it comes with a select few channels and that's around like uh 130 a month so it's not crazy. I mean, especially for gigabit internet, I probably have the fastest internet in my state. Or <laughs> to be to be honest, that price is higher than I thought. When I used to have uh, gigabit internet when I lived in town, it was uh, all the stations on the satellite, a home phone, and the internet for 170 Canadian, which would be around 130 US. So yeah. I like. And we hardly have any competition here. Is Comcast like the only ISP in your area with high-speed internet? Uh, there, there's a few others. I think at my house, Comcast is the only um, service offered. For fiber? Uh, we, we don't have any fiber or anything in my area. Even with Comcast? It's not fiber line? Uh, I, no, it's not. Oh, so you're only gigabit down. How much up? Like 10? 20? Uh, 35? Okay, yeah. if you were on fiber, you would be doing a, it's called full duplex, so the same speed up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but through coax cable, uh, there's uh, different kinds, but yeah, you guys would likely have a decent coaxial cable solution there for for the copper, and uh, that's why you're able to run gigabit. But we don't really have anything, um, in my area at least, which actually really bugs me, because I can look outside and see the fiber line running on the poles, but uh, right now there's a shortage of uh, I, I, I'll call them modems, I guess. But there are anyways, there are little breakout boxes they put on the lines, and this will allow them to split the fiber connection and run it to a house. The ISP just doesn't have any right now. So you can't actually really hook up a new fiber line, <laughs> which is really frustrating because I can see it outside my house. And if I could hook up to it, I could get 1.5 gigabit down and 1 gigabit up. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I mean, basically, what this article is saying I'm going to need to spend another $25 to $30 a month to upgrade to the Unlimited, or I'm going to be paying upwards of probably the max of $100 extra a month um, based on the amount of data I use. So I know Comcast is getting a lot of shit about this right now. Um, they even mentioned that they're going to be raising their prices I of internet and TV next year. Um, Comcast is all about the money at this point, and they know we're all working from home and stuff, and we need their service. So they're just like, oh, let's hike it up, get some more money out of people. And it, it honestly frustrates me to the point where I don't even want to talk about it because there's nothing <laughs> I can do at this point besides sign a petition or call them out on Twitter. Um, <laughs> at this Neither point, it's, will do anything. Yeah, it it is what it is, and I mean, I, I'm just gonna have to pay another twenty five extra a month to get the unlimited package. Well, uh, we'll translate away from Comcast nonsense uh, and move on to Apple, which actually is some really really nice news. So, uh, how does the Apple's new M1 chip stack up against the competition? 
the Apple M1 is the first ARM-based system on a chip designed by Apple as a central processing unit for its line of Macintosh computers. It is deployed in the MacBook Air, the Mac Mini, and the MacBook Pro. It is the first personal computer chip built using the 5 nanometer process. The performance on native Mac applications, so this is uh, apps and programs designed to work on Mac specifically, is very impressive, and often beating out similarly specced Intel CPUs. Uh, the Mac, uh, the portable Mac, Macs will have incredibly high battery life and the best performance per watt in any mobile CPU to date. So the M1 is uh, based on ARM, not x86 like Intel and AMD chips respectively. That is the biggest difference. Uh, the ARM processing unit is uh, typically lower performance but much better power management. And this is why Apple wants to swap uh, mainstream straight to ARM and ARM only for its mobile uh, processors because of this power saving. There's people on uh, the new Macs that are getting upwards of 20 hours or more battery life without a charge, mm -hmm. which is insane for a laptop. And they're actually outperforming uh, similarly spec CPUs in a lot of tasks. And when I say outperforming, I mean by a lot. Like uh, I saw some 7-zip uh, extraction tests where you know you, you have really large files and you compress them and decompress them and, and time how long it takes and yep. the, the m1 was actually about seven minutes faster than an intel i9 processor so oh, well. yeah that that's like stomping its brains out and they they're actually getting increased performance as well on some emulated apps so uh using uh, windows applications that are emulated via mac there there's very much increased performance compared to last generation and a, as well, I, there was some gaming uh, benchmark. Shadow of the Tomb Raider was tested, and uh, obviously not not going to be very impressive on this with the integrated GPU it's running. But it's uh, fanless laptops that don't have any fans or anything. There's no noise, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider is getting 34 FPS at uh, all low settings, 1080p. So you're getting like a worse than console level experience on a system that makes no noise and generates less heat than it ever has before. So, you know, obviously these aren't targeted for gamers, but it's still important to take a look at those metrics. And oh, yeah. I don't know. Have you ever used a Mac or like a... You, you have an iPhone, don't you? Yeah, so I have an iPhone. When it comes to like um, the MacBooks and stuff like that, I mean, I haven't used one since high school, I guess I could say. Um, the fiance has one for work purposes. Um, I help her from time to time on that, but besides that, I haven't used one. There, there's been some interest every now and then for me to get like an iPad or one of the new MacBooks or something like yep. that, but it's it's very minimal at this point. Yeah. I, I'm content where I am. <laughs> I, I've never been a fat uh, fan, sorry, of the Mac operating system. So uh, yeah, shut up. Yeah, you're perfect, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, never been a big fan of the Mac operating system, but that that might be just because I've never put enough time into learning it completely. So it's not to say that the operating system is bad or anything by that. I, in fact, from what I've seen, it is quite good, very optimized. But uh, it it's just my use case. I, I couldn't run a Mac on a daily driver and things like a Hackintosh. Uh, they're just not worth the time and effort for the performance you get when you do it like that. So not gonna bother with anything like that unless i was just doing it for fun you know if i was really bored and i was like man yeah. it'd be cool to like look into doing a hackintosh i guess but uh yeah i could <laughs> think of a lot better things to do with my time 
Uh, getting on to our last topic of the evening, uh, this is actually today, this happened today, a Amazon Web Service, uh, AWS, gets a noticeable amount of downtime. It's uh, currently still a lot of uh, issues on the east coast of North America are having issues with Amazon's Web Service. Uh, so as of early Wednesday today, according to its status page, AWS services were experiencing a lot of problems. That means that any application, website, or service that relies on AWS might also be down. Amazon has not currently given a reason for the outage, just that it's localized to North America and particularly the East Coast. Ironically enough, even Amazon's service health page was impacted by their own outages. They were prevented from posting updates for quite some time. So that, that adds even more uh, stress to the situation. If you're a developer that uh, has a program that runs using AWS, now you can't even check the status page and see updates. Yeah, you're going to be having a bad time. Uh, there's thousands and thousands upon websites and services that run on AWS, like potentially hundreds oh, yeah. of thousands. So if their servers have issues, there is a lot of websites that are going to go down. And, you know, it's unfortunate that when AWS has issues or like Cloudflare or Google DNS or any of these like, you know, big DNS or web service providers have issues, a lot of websites will go down because they're using it. They rely on it for their backbone infrastructure. And they get a lot of pressure from customers. Like, hey, man, why is your website not working right now? Like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden now your company's getting hate because Amazon's having issues. And it's like, oh, my God, like, please fix this. And uh, I'll check I'll check right now, actually. Uh, let's, let's take a look here. AWS uh, Service Health Dashboard. Currently they are still having significant issues in uh, heavily. North Virginia is having a lot of issues right now. Uh, a lot of increased API error rates, delays, provisioning errors, increased latency. Uh, the, actually, the last update <laughs> was eight hours ago. <laughs> so they haven't updated this in a while. Uh, currently, it says they're working toward a full recovery for all effective services and will continue to provide updates regularly. So uh, I guess they forgot to update it, or maybe it's not working again. But yeah, uh Currently impacted services, wow, this is a lot. Uh, ACM, uh, I don't, actually, I don't think it's worth reading these all. I don't even know what half of them <laughs> are. Like, IoT services, <clears throat> I know. I wonder if my Alexa's working. Alexa, are you there? She said yes, so she's working. She's okay. Oh, there you go, there you go. Yeah, there we go. I'm okay. So, I'm in the money. <laughs> one of the things that I, one of the things I kind of learned about in college was... <clears throat> Um, these web services like like Amazon, um, the commitment that they give to people, such as their uptime percentages of, <clears throat> sorry, I gotta clear my throat of of which they commit to the people who use their services. So for Amazon, it's ninety nine point nine nine percent of uptime percentage, yeah. and if it ever drops be underneath ninety nine point nine nine percent then you get service credits based on the amount of downtime. Um, if you get um, less than 99.99%, but equal to or greater than 99.0%, uh, you get a service credit percentage of 10%. And That's then if it, if it drops from 99 to 95%, you get 30% credit. And less than 95% is 100% credit. So to, it, to be it, fair, 95%... Like, if you're losing 5% of your website a year, that's a lot. That's days of downtime. Yeah. Days. Absolutely. Amazon would never be down that long. But, you know, 
worst case scenario, let's say a large, massively scaled attack, uh, they might be down max, I would see a week. And even then, like, but I mean, dude, look out, like, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but the Sony attack uh, throughout the summer, dude, they were down mm-hmm. for a month and a half. Like, yeah, I that's that. insane. Like, 45 days of downtime, man. Like, during yeah. peak summer times when, like, children are at home wanting to play online. Like, that is an insane amount of time. And, uh, yeah, it's it's good that they have these benefits for, for you know, like, a form of compensation at the very least. Uh, because, uh, and you were saying 99.99%. Uh, I know Facebook targets... It's 99.999 something percent, and it equals that they allow themselves to have eight seconds of downtime per year. Yeah. Like, it's that, crazy. If you have any downtime at all, it's likely going to be more than eight seconds. So you're not going to hit it uh, mm-hmm. realistically, but that is what they target themselves. And for every hour that Facebook is offline, they lose over a million dollars. That's insane. And when's the last time you saw Facebook offline, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, I it's been a while. Yeah, they're, they're not. I don't really think they're getting any hits or anything like that. And and a lot of these companies now are so large and so protected that it's hard to attack them. Like Google, I mean, you might take down one spot somewhere and they're probably going to have it back up in like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, the largest scale attack you could reasonably think of with a decent team hitting one of these servers, man. They have so many protections now. I mean, it's it's definitely possible, but... The biggest vulnerability for security is the people. Social engineering, phishing attacks, those are the biggest ways to get into these companies and breach their data. Uh, Direct hacking of finding zero-day exploits and vulnerabilities, way less chance than uh, phishing someone on LinkedIn or something like that, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Anyways, uh, it's unfortunate they're still having issues at the moment, but uh, at the very least, at least Cloudflare is still up, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a crazy world when yeah. you think about it. Crazy world. You can, so- you can dive you can dive into AWS and we can basically create a podcast on Amazon Web Services. Their their backbone and- is incredibly complex. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're like a head network engineer for Amazon, you wouldn't even come close to understanding uh, just how complex it is. Mm-hmm. and uh, on that note we're gonna end episode 10 a great episode uh make sure to follow us on twitter uh i'll have it up here on the screen i see if i say that that forces me to do it in post when i edit it so that's very <laughs> genius of me uh yeah so episode 10 great episode it's a bit of short news but that's okay next week Big we plan on, plan on having a guest uh you want to get into some details on that or keep it a little uh, hush hush yeah so so next week our guest should be the um owner of the Chop Boys, a gaming organization and community uh, that I'm actually a part of. I am a content creator for them. Uh, I stream on Twitch, TCB Nash. Um, so we are going to try and get um, the owner of the Chop Boys on here. And then the week after, we'll leave that for uh, more details next week during our next episode. So for thank sure. you everybody for listening to episode 10 of the guest podcast. We got plenty more episodes to come this is just the beginning and appreciate all of you for listening and supporting supporting us basically yeah 100 uh our growth is uh realistically a little slow but that's okay 
because the majority of podcasts don't gain any traction until they have a lot of episodes in. And then that's that's completely okay. We do appreciate everyone that does listen and support us. We uh, how many how many total hits is it now on our uh uh what is what is that app called again? Uh Anchor. Yeah, yeah, Anchor. I was thinking of Archer and uh, I don't know why. Yeah, so so Anchor's Anchor's given us saying that we have over 100 views right now and that's then I mean that doesn't count um our youtube so yeah. i know I mean, every, uh, every everything on youtube is gravy i had a person point. message me uh asking what our spotify link was today so you know that's okay. pretty good stuff and yeah, uh, awesome. unfortunately when you search guest podcast on spotify it doesn't come up i'm not sure why I, but if you yeah, i don't know either maybe maybe they have to have a certain amount of hits or whatever before you'll come up in searches yeah at that point it does seem like we have to find ways to make our podcast more visible, um, especially for Spotify. I mean, that's a huge podcast. Huge if you, yeah. I mean, if you type in guest podcast, you can keep scrolling down and it just doesn't show up. So I guess we kind of have to get to the bottom of that. But otherwise, if you go to the anchor.fm website, um, there is a Spotify link that does appear. And... Um, we can post the Spotify links on our YouTube episodes as well. If you guys would like to listen to the audio version. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, no, I searched it and I got it online. If you search guest podcasts on Spotify's website, it's our, ours is the first one to come up. And there you go. So, For some reason, it doesn't like the application. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's kind of working again. I don't know. I'll, I'll try it here. Oh, wait. This is very interesting behavior. Oh, you know what I think? I think Spotify might be searching for songs named Guest Podcast and not podcasts named Guest Podcast. Yeah, but if you go in the search bar and you type like g.e.s.p space podcast and then go to podcasts and shows, um, it shows podcasts and shows for Guest Podcast. And we don't even pop up in there for some reason. <laughs> I do see so that. I mean, it is something that we need to figure out at this point. That's so weird. I, I see exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I'll, I'll show you off stream what I what I just saw here, but that's very weird. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end it there, guys. That was a great episode. Uh, episode ten, big milestone, like we were saying, and uh, you know we're on that road to twenty, and then before you know, we'll be at a hundred. Absolutely. That being said. Thank you, everybody, once again for watching the Guest Podcast, Episode 10. This is Tommy Nash. Gaby Gaming. Peace out. Signing off.